Welcome to Nine Cents. <laughs> Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of a modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell. It has been a long time, right? A really long time. In fact, the show is actually over. And yet, here we are. It kind of makes me think, because I, I miss doing this a lot. I mean, not the live portion, this is fun and all, but I, I miss Nine Cents a lot. I don't know if anyone else does. I wonder if, uh, I wonder if I brought it back just like on the down low, if anyone, if anyone would be upset or care or tune in. Well, maybe not. I got other projects I'm working on, right? Welcome to the fourth episode four of Satanism and Star Wars. It is really exciting to be talking not only about Satanism. We do this on Nine Cents. I've got five years of an archive for you to check out, ninecentspodcast.com. Review it at your pleasure. We have three other episodes of the Satanism and Star Wars podcast with two fantastic guests guest hosts they're going to be joining me today as well and i'll be going to be talking to them and introducing them in just a second uh, i am really excited for those of you who have had the opportunity to tune in uh, to the live show here and as you're coming in and dropping out just let me say first and foremost i really appreciate your interaction uh, in the chat room and uh you know just the support that the show has garnered over the years uh, it means a lot not just to me but everyone else that has historically contributed to the show and uh because we have these last two Two Star Wars episodes left uh, it's really you know it means a lot to um, Cameron and Dorian as well the co-hosts that are gonna be joining me on this wonderful show there's a lot to go over and so I'm gonna be bringing them in really quick um, I do want to say briefly that uh, you know though nine cents has uh, lived its life and uh, done its job I am involved in a lot of other projects, uh, one of which is going to be going live next week as well, Third Side with uh, John Shaw. You guys may have heard of him. Um, and if you have, we'll just look past all the bad that you've heard because, <laughs> uh, you know, I'll tame him. <laughs> it's just going to be a lot of fun, uh, that, that podcast. We've been releasing a lot of teasers of the pre-show tests and audio tests and bumpers that we've been putting together. And we've actually had a live private show as well, so um, that'll be released after the first public live show airs so you can get a sense of where we were before all the feedback and then where we went afterward um, and you know of course all the interaction again is, is really appreciated let's go ahead and start talking about Satanism and Star Wars we've got a really great show we're gonna be talking this week about iconic Star Wars characters and their different satanic expressions so we're gonna be covering a veritable galaxy of uh, different characters uh, with these two co-hosts of mine I appreciate that Andrew uh, that you said that was good uh, <laughs> Technical difficulties aside, I'm sure. Uh, let me introduce the very first co-host, one Dorian Gray. Thank you for joining us, Dorian. Hello, Adam. I can feel your hatred. <laughs> Use it to strike me down. <coughs> Dude, I can't do this. Well, thank you so much for joining me, man. Let's introduce our last co-host here, one Cameron John. Oh. It's on. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, the head of your wife behind you. Uh, thanks for joining us, Cameron. Hey, thanks for having me again. I'm very excited. It is so much fun getting together with you two and talking Star Wars. This is one of my favorite pastimes, aside from, let's see, drinking and family in that order. So, 
<laughs> Good stuff. There should be one yeah. other one other thing in there, I hope. Well, that's that's the dark side of the family that I don't really like to talk about, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so, lock the kids in the crawl space, and then me and my wife have run of the entire house. It gets scary. We scar the kids because they can hear what's happening. It sounds like some weird alien invasion. They don't even know what the hell's happening. <laughs> but, Show her your saber. Yeah. <laughs> Look at my swords, baby! Look at it! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I want that stream to be crossed, alright, sweetheart? Cross it! Yeah. Um, <laughs> we are going to have some uh, in and out uh, from uh, Cameron's side of things, perhaps. So just get yeah, used to right. it. It's going to happen. But for those of you tuning in, this is the first time you actually get to see uh, my esteemed co hosts uh, live right. on the show. This is going to be great. I'm going to be looking down at the chat room and at notes throughout the whole time. I'm going to be doing my best to stare at you, the audience, as we're doing this live, so bear with us. There is one point of uh, um, news that I want to cover before we dive straight into the episode, and that is uh, that Kenny Baker, he died um, the 12th of August uh, at age 81, and he was, of course, the R2-D2 actor from episode 4 on into I think he even did some cameos in the prequels and stuff like that so um, I mean Mark Hamill had a really wonderful Twitter post about him this is the droid he was looking yeah. for a really moving uh, communication um, with really everyone that's been on the uh, different films about this really wonderful gentleman uh, do you too <laughs> it's a trap uh, how's it going Joe man good to see you um, did you two have any maybe favorite R2-D2 scenes that uh, or, or maybe experiences referencing R2-D2 that you wanted to share well you know I mean as, as far as I can think of I mean just uh, I think just the he was kind of a magical character an interesting character right from the beginning when you know uh, episode four first came out um i think just just the way that uh they grant this this isn't really kenny baker's part but i mean as far as like just the sounds that they made that was not communication but and yet it was i mean it wasn't a language but it was communication you could understand um how he's feeling and kenny baker's even even uh i, I remember watching an interview with him where he talked about um them telling him to to try and be happy and inside the thing he's smiling trying to <laughs> trying to shake the robot but you know you can't really see his face or anything but it did play off though it is interesting because r2d2 is is like the heart of that first movie for me i mean he's he's obviously an important character in that he drives the plot line up until the point where you actually hit the death star for the first time but like he, his smile inside was that shaking if it wasn't his his motions as he was uh, interacting with um c3po you would just have the sounds of the droid and i think i mean that that wouldn't have been the same thing uh cameron do you have any uh, thoughts on r2d2 uh well for me uh, especially because i read the books it's just he was the ultimate badass it's sad <laughs> to know that he well he took a fucking straight on hit from a thermal detonator and walked it off like meh whatever That's when was that uh would have been i believe book two or three of fate of the jedi oh really it's for, yeah so he was like yeah, way maybe. ancient at that time too <laughs> yeah well, that's cool. nothing to do with kenny baker but it still he'll be missed but yeah i mean he 
he is that character, you know, whether it's yeah. a digital representation or not, he's the one that started the process of, of defining who R2-D2 was. Just, uh, yeah. I mean, so I think, you know, that's a lasting legacy that moves forward. I mean, that that's what uh, Anton LaVey was talking about, in my opinion, when he was saying, um, you know, you're going to be remembered in the brains and sinews of those who loved and respected you. Yeah, sure. I mean, Kenny Baker's going to be right there for every Star Wars fan from 77 on, right? Sure. I mean, or 77, wait, I'm going <laughs> to... What yeah, year? 77, yeah. Okay. I, I would not <laughs> doubt, too, that, um, you know, somebody who got into the costume later, even maybe from the last movie, uh, somebody at some point had to sit down with Kenny Baker and say, so tell me what's the best way to, to play R2-D2, oh, yeah. you know? Well, he did play an active role in um, consulting with R2-D2. Like yeah. people that were playing him and using him. Well, that's why, because we—if uh, you watched any of the extras with um, the Force Awakens, that's what the—and I'm sorry, I don't know the actor's name off the top of my head—who did Chewbacca. He had a stand-in. I'm sorry. Peter, Peter Mayhew. Mayhew. Okay, I'm, thank you. Um, <laughs> he had a stand-in that was helping him—a much younger, very, very tall man—and <laughs> yeah. he was, you know, walking him through what what Chewbacca really is like. So these actors, though, you don't get to see them on screen like you do a Carrie Fisher or a, um, a Hans, or I'm sorry, a, um, Mark Hamill, but you are going to have fucking mixed up Luke Skywalker. <laughs> but you do get a real sense of the actor beneath the costume. And so that's a really big, um, it's, it's a, it's a confirmation that they as actors, uh, the talent that they had um so that's a really sure. it's a powerful statement it's just lasting that is true eternal life as as well at oh, least as absolutely. i see it anyway um absolutely all right so let's let's talk about a little bit of star wars news here because we have been we have had a golden shower of star wars news landing on our faces <laughs> And normally I like try to duck and dodge, but this time I just like opened my mouth and took it in. Just let it spray. <laughs> um, Cameron, what is uh, what is the most exciting news that you've heard about Star Wars since we've talked last? Um, biggest thing for me is mm -hmm. that Thrawn is officially a part of the canon now. Yeah, like, again, about had a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. Again, yes, again. Yeah, yeah. Can you explain for people who may not have watched any of the animated shows what you know what he's a part of and what it's all about? Okay, so I I haven't seen the season he's in. Is it originally, um, from basically, what's that? Originally from books. From the yeah, book. originally from the books. Uh, basically, he took over after the Emperor died. Like, this is, I want to say, nine, ten years after the Battle of Yavin is when he just sort of decided, eh, I'm going to take over where he left off. Yeah. Um, so went through just taking people out, trying to kill all the rebels, even though it was the Alliance, you know, whatever. Basically, he was an amazing character and what got me into reading Star Wars books. What was great about him specifically is that, you know, this is the Empire. I mean, it, it's the most white bread of, you know, human beings, species only um, organization. You had to be above and beyond if you were a different species in order to even be oh, yeah. a yeah. cadet 
in the empire it's certainly in the later empire years uh near you know like the um the battle of uh, uh endor the forge moon of yeah. endor um does that bug you just quick aside does it bug you when people say endor or the forest moon of endor does it even matter not really no i don't think about that much see i it, it kind of bugs me in that it's yeah. the same as calling the monster frankenstein Right, <laughs> Frankenstein was the guy who created him, and right. you have to be a real nerd to really care. But it's just a little. It, it tells me that you don't really care; you just sort of enjoy. Right, and right. So you know, whatever. I'm a fucking nerd, apparently. No one else, not even the other nerds in the room, yeah. care. That's how much of a fucking. Baka's name. Come on. That's true. See, I lost a point there. I picked it back up with the Force Moon Andor. All right, I'm holding up. No, I really agree, though, with uh, with Thrawn being a, a great character to bring in, and, and kind of what you were saying a minute there, a minute ago, is that um, while whether people realize it or not, in the in the whole Star Wars and the books and everything, um, the Emperor is actually very much a racist, and uh, oh only uh, and so Thrawn is. Uh, I mean, he's a humanoid, but he has blue skin and um, is he's set on the outer rims because he doesn't want him to be seen while he's in power. But he gives him the title of Grand Admiral because he's such a military genius. So, mm. um, well, Andy was also handpicked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was like oh, that guy. Excellent, <laughs> yeah. excellent villain. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it, if you read the books, some of his biggest strides, and I have them like, on the shelf behind me, some of his big, and here's, here's a, just a really quick aside, I'm going to get to my point that I was saying a second ago. I, <laughs> on the shelf that I hold all of my, like, satanic and magical books, that I, I just sort of have fun with, occult like, books, I have my Star Wars books on this same shelf. Like, sure. it, it, like with intention, because they hold so much power for me emotionally you know a little eci as a kid watching those um so uh thrawn's strength as a character was not just his being an alien or being the only known alien in a grand admiral position but sure. like you guys said he was a mil master military tactician but it was because he studied his enemy he didn't just study what that enemy's type was he you know if i could sort of take a strip back the star wars side of it and just sort of focus on what we would perceive as a satanic side of it he applied lesser magic to his tactics to, to understanding who his enemy was and then moving forward adjusted his military expertise to suit that enemy that's what made him so strong is because he studied he didn't worship that throne of military might he studied his enemy during it yeah. and that was why he was handpicked and that's what's so exciting about him coming back because if you all remember i sound like such a fucking nerd i had this moment of clarity just now um when the force awakens came out and disney bought lucasfilm they stripped away all the extended universe yeah. content and thrawn was probably the biggest part of that extended universe content he had a long dramatic storyline that was represented in not only novels but comics as well and the end of thrawn was a big deal when it came out so um he was loved you know for those extended universe fans maybe not as much but close to as much as vader was loved as yeah. far as a villain and and the i think maybe this is leading in maybe a little too much to my next show next week but what do you think it is about those villains that we connect with so much um 
I mean, the name of this episode is Iconic Star Wars Characters and Their Satanic Expressions. Dorian, what do you think um, was most satanic about uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn? Well, I, I think it's uh, he had a very unique approach. I mean, as far as uh, satanic goes, I mean, he definitely had a perspective <laughs> and, and uh, studied the aesthetics and the art of uh, certain cultures is how he got to uh, understand their strengths and their weaknesses and how they thought as a people. And he could actually study their artwork and know it so well that when they were in George. battle he would see the ships coming and would know what they were going to do what kind of formation they were going to take just yeah. from studying their art so um and it's kind of one of those things where he's very calm and calculating he doesn't you know blow up like um Ren, kylo ren does you know i mean he's he's very calm he's the opposite watches <laughs> and yeah and he uh and that's how he uh how he achieves victory, you know, by staying with his plan and, and, and making sure he knows what he's talking about. So, I don't know why I'm typing. I was just going to say, uh, it's all good, Pascal. Thanks for joining us, man. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited because I've been following uh, Star Wars Rebels, the cartoon, since it started. I was a big Star Wars, the Clone Wars fan, both iterations of the animated show, actually. Yeah. Um, just because you know you caught it as the prequels were finishing up in episode three for me it was fucking awesome it was the best of the prequels in my opinion um and so that was sort of the next step was those cartoons and i mean you know growing up i was a big cartoon nerd what kid isn't but it was because it was star wars that i felt like oh this is all canon information canon content which means it's it all carries forward with that um sort of exciting star wars saga that i literally grew up with um and so star wars rebels as a series i was a little disappointed in the first season i mean i had some moments but it was sort of that you know really geared to kids and it wasn't really revealing any exciting content um in my opinion again season two however brought back a very exciting enemy like season two of rebels brought back maul so for those of you who loved and episode Tarkin. one yeah and tarkin yeah thank you i'm glad you mentioned that um oh gosh this see we're gonna talk for this is gonna be like a seven hour episode i hope you guys are ready uh get your catheters in now <laughs> don't don't leave this seat um but oh god yeah and tarkin was so good what i love about these these uh tie-in shows is that it it takes a character that exists rewinds them and talks about how you know like rewinds them in their motivations and in their experiences so that it's not an exact replica of that character it's sort of where that character started and where how they end up to where you already know them and so it's yeah. exciting to see people develop because of course if you've ever written a story if you've ever been in a play if you've ever watched a movie and cared you know that yeah. characters develop and change and learn because of the experiences they have that's what this show does like it really puts you down and that's what i like so much is that with tarkin's reveal i mean it was anakin basically rescuing them from a prison planet right like if i'm remembering the episode you get a sense of tarkin with his military tactics background seeing anakin as a jedi sort of savior figure he's trying to save him and he this is his first chance of seeing what will eventually be vader that he's gonna have to work with and respecting like what he's doing the tactic the unconventional tactics that anakin skywalker is taking in order to rescue them from this really i mean death trap of a prison essentially this is i gotta watch this again because it was a really 
it was a really good like episode, but just the series itself is just a lot of fun. Especially if you have kids in a family, it's really great to sit down with the whole family and just like nerd out on Star Wars. The Clone Wars cartoon, uh, which I think it's I think it's still all on on Netflix. Netflix, yeah, is really great because especially if you're somebody who maybe was disappointed with the prequels, which you know I was. I mean, compared to what I wanted it to be, but. After going back and watching the Clone Wars cartoon, which goes, I mean, you have certain episodes where it's just like cute, like Jar Jar and C-3PO going on an adventure, it's just, you skip that one. But then you get an episode <laughs> where, uh, you know, Darth Maul kills a woman that Obi-Wan Kenobi loves in front of him just to watch him suffer. It gets First of all, Darth Maul's back. I mean, ah! Yeah, and, but when you watch all of that, then you can go back. Like it's it's the story between uh, episode two and episode three. Now I like three better because now I understand these characters even better than because yeah. I I kind of felt like episodes one two the prequels I felt like they were kind of rushed, and right. now yeah. I like them better from watching the the cartoon. So yeah, Dave Filoni yeah, with that. And the the creative director and really the story genius behind it, him and Lucas worked together on the Clone Wars series and now Star Wars Rebels. Um, I thought it was interesting what he said. I just watched an hour interview and it's actually up right now on StarWars.com or the, the, um, the YouTube channel for Star Wars where he's saying he was a little bit taken aback and surprised by the um, backlash of making all of the EU content like legend content yeah, yeah. because that's how Lucas always saw it in the first place that's how when he was discussing Clone Wars and Rebels originally like that was the back and forth he's like look the only thing that's canon that's really canon are the movies and TV movies. shows that's it everything else you know we're going to pick and choose really exciting um, content that's generated and use it however we want to in the movies and TV show but that's not canon like this has always been canon and so that's why it's so interesting to see the filmmaker side of it yeah. and the producer side of it versus the fan side of it you know we and and ultimately we have to look at this this is a space drama that's really all yeah. this is and we like to <laughs> sure. add on a I bunch think, of baggage to it I, I think we respected the way though that um all there's so many authors who contributed yeah. to uh to the books that um they all respected the timeline they created this timeline that went back thousands of years in this whole Star Wars universe, and they respected every bit of it. So you know they'd have to you know recall something, or they I mean, they'd have to call a fucking Star Wars historian to you know get their facts straight. Which I want that job, but <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, they respected well, it so much. So I, I think that's what was rough for us when they when they when they said this is no longer canon. A lot of us were like, the fuck, we've worked so hard, you know, to keep this pure, and you just just throw it away. So. Yeah. What were you saying, Cameron? Oh, the historian thing. Uh, like, originally, like, in the early 90s, when the books really started to become big again, hmm. um, that it was the authors themselves that were essentially the historians. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. you look at all the collections of short stories, like, that's how all of that came about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, not important at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, just, just to round it back to what we were discussing, is that that's why it's so exciting for us to see Thrawn, who was a part of the EU and discarded his legacy, coming back, supported by the author who wrote him in the first place, who's going to yeah. be releasing a new book, 
with him yeah. in this new era because really Thrawn's might was after the Empire had fallen and him trying to regain that control but now this is before episode 4 even takes place and so I'm really excited to see where he comes in and how he reacts to the Rebel Alliance and ultimately where he's going to end up because he, end up in he the was, movies, then. of course, he was never in the movies when we saw him. So, yeah. how are they going to spin that? What are they going to do? Did you guys watch the last episode of uh, season three where it was Ahsoka Tano with Darth Vader and freaking Maul, Darth Maul, who's no longer Darth, but just Maul, um, in that underground Sith temple? Did you guys see that episode? I haven't seen it, dude. Oh, I'm not remembering it. It's fuck. been a while since I've seen. Yes, I mean this just happened, you know, a couple months ago, but. I like the new season is going to be picking up at the end of September, like 24, I think. But it was it was incredible because it, it wraps up that whole Clone Wars timeline of Anakin Skywalker and his apprentice, Ahsoka Tano. And it was an, like an emotional experience as someone who has, you know, watched them for years, growing as friends and then discarded at the end of the Clone Wars. And then suddenly she's back in Star Wars Rebels in this exciting new way. And then now she realizes who Darth Vader is in the first place her old fucking master, and then she has to face him. I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything, but goddamn, is it fucking good. So if, if you guys care about the storyline at all, I definitely recommend check out Rebels and Clone Wars. Not in that order. Reverse it. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah okay, I'm looking at the, the chat room here. Joe said, Drew, Carption, Baby, Darth Bane Trilogy. Darth Bane, yeah. See, I haven't read that one yet. I'm, I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little hazy is- on there. Darth Bane is where the rule of two comes from for, for the Siths. So. I've always had my own rule of two. Two girls, no more. Yeah, yeah. I wish. Yeah, it's <laughs> I too do. Much, too much effort. Two it balls, no more. <laughs> to my wife's fucking dismay, she's like, no. <laughs> Not gonna happen. And to be fair, to be fair, I like to think that I'm still 21. I'm not entirely sure I could handle two women at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm literally tomorrow. I'm knocking on forty. So it's uh, it's gonna be heavy. Um, the last episode was epic. I absolutely agree, man. That was badass, and it's good to see you in the chat room, man. Um, okay, so let's do a little bit of uh, the point of the. No, 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 no. Hold on. So that was. <laughs> we're gonna have so much of this. That was Cameron's uh, most exciting Star Wars news since we've spoken last. Dorian, what's yours? Well, let's see. Do I do the trailer or the Han Solo thing? I guess the the news that there's that there's going to be three Han Solo uh, spinoff movies, young Han Solo, and uh, just saw I think yesterday that they're going to have young Lando Calrissian in with him. So, ah, that's awesome! That is yeah. so fucking awesome. Very cool. So that's that's pretty cool. I mean, I knew there was going to be a I knew there was going to be a young Han Solo movie, but now they're talking trilogy. We get um, to fucking hand over the Millennium Falcon. I bet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, I could lose it in that's the hand exciting. of Sabacc. To, uh... <laughs> that is really exciting for nerds like me. That is, you don't get much better. <laughs> Le- for just for me, Lando Calrissian, I patterned my entire dating life off of him. <laughs> like, and he it worked. Forty five. <laughs> Maybe not so much the Cold Forty Five part, but his fucking how he, I okay. I'm gonna jump a little bit ahead in in our discussion. Lando Calrissian is a master in my opinion, of lesser magic. It didn't work for Leia because Leia is a different type of woman than every other woman. But he's a bad motherfucker when it comes to, like, like he read, he devoured the Stanic Witch 
by Andrew LeVay, and he's using it as a fucking uh, successful businessman, as a successful smuggler, and as a successful womanizer. What do we have here? <laughs> he's badass! He had so much swagger and style. He was the coolest motherfucker on the block. As soon as he came on screen, Billy D. Williams, goddamn that man. As soon as he came on screen, I forgot about Han Solo. I was like, that's a fucking smuggler! God damn! Like, I, props to that dude. He played that fucking role. Um, yeah. What were we talking about? Han Solo movie. Yeah, I'm really excited for that, man. I, I'm a little interested. Like, do you think because the EU part of it was that Han Solo was a former Imperial? Like, I don't know how far he got into it. And well, he, he was, was married, he right? Was uh, and he went to the training camp to the academy. I don't know how well, far he actually it was. Uh... Um, Corsac that he was with, uh, the Corellian, um, their military, which was sort of a part of the Empire, but not quite. I don't remember how to explain it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I hope they do have him sitting in a TIE fighter. Well, they threw all that out the window, so they could totally rewrite that now. So. That's true. That is true. Yeah, I do hope they pick it up. I mean, when there's characters like Thrawn that we haven't had a live-action representation, we haven't had that emotional connection to for decades. It's one thing to bring him back in and just sort of reskin him and, you know, still keeping the core of the character, but rewriting him and getting a great voice actor. But with Han fucking Solo... Mm -hmm. And we're going to probably see uh, when he, basically, when he rescues Chewie, which then... Gives that would be awesome! Set. I hope yeah. so. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that part. Yeah. That would be amazing. So, uh, which one of you can give those fine folks listening who may not know, how did they meet? Chewbacca, Han Solo. Cameron, you know? It was a mining camp, wasn't it? Yeah, slave camp. Yeah, it was the the spice mines. That's where they met up. Yeah, did they yeah. Wait, did they meet in the spice mines? Because I know they've been in the spice yeah, mines. I, I, I could have swore that's where he broke them out of. I, I don't remember, to be perfectly honest. It's been a while since I've read any of that. Yeah, I know as much just to say that Han Solo rescued Chewbacca from slavery, and that's where Chewbacca... That's stayed. what I thought it was. I thought it was... Um, but they were all name? slaves uh, of the Spice Mines, as, as I, I understood. I thought it was uh, one of Bosk. What's, what the hell's the name of those guys? What's Bosk? What's his uh, was race? It uh, oh, the reptilian dude? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. Trandoshan? Uh, Trandoshan, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah. They fucking they point. They're they're slavers, bitches, for with Wookies. So, and I, yeah. I thought, I, I thought that's where he rescued him from. But I, I'm, I guess we'll find out. That could be. We'll yeah. find <laughs> out when it's going to be. Yeah, for sure. counts anymore, anyways. That's really exciting. Do you think because they're automatically going? Of course, they're going with the new actor, uh, the younger version of Han Solo. They have to. Are they going to go with the new, younger version of Chewbacca actor that was in The Force Awakened? Or do you think they're going to try to get a little cred with the original? He's got to be younger. <laughs> right, but I mean, he's in a costume, so... Yeah, 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 I don't know. It's not like you see his, like, wrinkly old ball sack. Like, that's not a <laughs> well, fucking 200-year-old you know Chewbacca, that's an 800. Gonna a, they're going to have a new actor playing Han Solo, so... Yeah. Yeah. Might as well. I I don't. I mean, honestly, I don't really care either way as long as they're true to the character of Chewbacca, which is pretty much just you know whatever. 
Okay, do you guys think... I'm, again, we're going to deviate. We're still in the pre-show, people. We haven't gotten the meat and potatoes yet. Um, <laughs> do you think that Chewbacca felt a little different in The Force Awakens than he did in the previous three, or previous six? Mm. It's hard to say. It was the first time we ever saw his hands. Chunky yeah. sausage hands, yeah. Scary. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I mean, there, there was, uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, I mean, it's a different feel, but I mean, at the same time, Chewbacca's been through things in his life. So, I mean, it would feel different. Yeah. This is, yeah. What, 30, 40 years after the last movie anyways? Right. Anyway. I'm, And I'm just trying to think of, like, the virility of the character. So, Han is a human being. We have a really short lifespan. Wookiees, they live for hundreds of years, I think. Yeah. He was two hundred in the episode four. Yeah. So, I'm. I mean, he he may be a little bit older, but he's still like in his prime. I just felt like he was treated as an older version of the character, like Han Solo was. And maybe it's just because they're handing it off to a new generation. Even though at the end, it makes you think that he's like still the co-pilot of the Millennium Falcon, and Ray right. is just like his Boy, best bud. Be. He better be. So I don't know. It's kind of weird. Well, yeah, and they can't, they can't <laughs> abandon <George. laughs> all of the original audience for all new characters. I mean, they have to kind of slowly work that in. So, mm -hmm. yeah, for those of you who didn't have a chance to see, uh, that didn't catch us live, George said uh, something really wonderful there. Imagine what he could do with those Wookie <laughs> fingers on a long space voyage. I'm not gonna say milk in the prostate, except I just said it. I mean, it could happen. We don't really understand Han. He Han's holo. <laughs> Han Solo. It's <laughs> fucked. All right, so my favorite uh, uh, news, last show news for Star Wars here, has got to be Rogue One trailer, the most recent trailer. It it brought it all home to me. Seeing that droid interact with the heroine of the 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 movie, seeing the the scope of mm -hmm. the world you know it, it wasn't just seeing these little tiny scenes you actually got to get a pullback of a couple like planetary scenes which is really exciting mm -hmm. and we saw even though it was the back of his head fucking mm -hmm. vader god damn my favorite character of all time vader yeah, yeah. and we he saw we saw a star destroyer in orbit you know in the atmosphere of the yeah. planet like that was impressive. I like full on burped in the mic. I'm sorry if people heard that. Um, I was really excited. Okay, so I don't want to talk about Suicide Squad story or anything, but I'm afraid that Vader is going to be the same presence in the new Rogue One as the Joker was in Suicide Squad. I'm afraid he's going to be like a blip, like a he little like. I, I think hit. he should be. No, yeah, are I, you kidding? I agree. I really? Agree. I, I'm turning this fucking show off. I hate you both. God damn, no, no, this is you, me now. You have to be Fuck careful them. with that character. I mean, you gotta, you gotta. Number one, it's a separate story, and um, we and we're trying to build on new stories and stuff. But but also, I mean, number one, you got everything from James Earl Jones. He doesn't even sound the same as he did 40 years ago. You know, he's right. getting old. Right. You got. You just have to be careful with handling that character because, again, if you go too much, you know, you. Right. Like, we, we, we had this movie, um, you know, The Force Awakens, where we brought back a whole bunch of our old characters, and it's cool, but you have to be careful because of how they're <laughs> going to hand off things to the future, so. Yeah. Yeah, that could piss a lot of us off real easily if they mess them up. 
But, okay, but... <laughs> Vader took the fucking brunt of the first Death Star being blown up in the first place. Like, it was his fault. Even though Tarkin was the one fucking really overseeing it at the end. If you read the Tarkin novel, like, at the beginning, Tarkin really wanted to be in control of this new project, even though it was just rumored, even amongst the Empire, it was rumored um, to be, you know, in existence. When he was finally assigned control over the project, it was a huge fucking deal. Right. He fucking died, so... Spoiler alert. By 50 <laughs> years. But... It, Vader was blamed for it. So, like... It, if he's, like, the protector of said Death Star, he better fucking be in the movie that's about getting the plans to the fucking Death Star. Like, he's gotta be. Yeah. And the fact that you, you just see the back of his head, if this is just gonna be a peewee Herman's view of a fucking porno, just the back of the head of the dude in front of you as you're jerking off, that's not good enough for me. <laughs> I need him taking motherfuckers down. Because this is Vader in his prime. This isn't some pussy fucking Obi-Wan fight. This is like Vader when he was taking Jedi out. Yeah, but they can... The thing is, they can do a Vader spinoff movie. This isn't really yeah. supposed to be a Vader. This is yeah, know, more yeah, about I, the story of like, the Rebel you. stealing I so I mean, but they got they got to have him in there, and I'm sure it's not going to be just <laughs> Joe. nerds are angry. It'll be more. Than <laughs> it, it's got to be more than just that back of his headshot. But I mean, like I said, you, you can't yeah. overdo it, you know. Like yeah, I hear it, you. It's 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 almost like you know, it's better to leave them wanting more than to give them too much, you know, and, yeah. and fuck it up somehow. So. I got gotcha. you. I, I, I yeah, I agree. I just love Vader so much. If I could, <laughs> if I could, like forsake my own father and have Vader and my pops. I probably wouldn't do it because he's a fictional character, but I would think about it. I would think about it. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for tuning in for how long you did, Rebel Man. Um, all right, so let's talk. Let's dive into the point of this show. Let's talk about iconic Star Wars characters and their satanic expressions. This is, after all, nine cents. It is a satanic-based podcast. We're talking second phase Satanism here. Study, not worship. We're getting into the ins and outs of it. So, uh, let's start off with Cameron. What character do you think is most... And that's a weird phrasing. What character connects most with the, I don't know, maybe values of Satanism or the tenets of Satanism or the principles of Satanism? Well, for me, uh, the one that, I mean, we've discussed ad nauseum, like... It, is uh, Mace Windu surprisingly not? That was not ad nauseum. Not at all. We just barely discussed this. <laughs> Damn it! You and I <laughs> and Dorian have, but no one else. Yeah. Okay. So sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm <laughs> outside of the show. Yeah. We have discussed this, but Mace Windu. Uh, I mean, he's he's a master. He controls his life. He controls everything he needs. Um, excellent magician when it comes to lesser magic i mean his his force power is the shatter point which it's in essence being able to read people and know how to control them or know what's going to break them and be able to work with that and it's just badass see that's a character that i think the majority of people certainly the ones who only know the movies and maybe the the tv shows Mace is a, is a, a mysterious character, so I'm going to ask you to elaborate just a little bit, and, and let me begin this by asking a question. Do you think do you think assigning the role of Mace Windu to Samuel L. Jackson was a negative? No. 
Really? Okay. So, no. so I, I honestly, I don't think anybody else could have been Mace Windu. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, I really do. Like, uh, I mean, like I've told you, I have read a lot of the books, um, and just you know, reading those books, reading more about that character. Like, really, I, I couldn't see anybody else playing and, and pulling it off well. So he just has that, uh, just that aura of mystery, like, throughout the entire uh, the entire trilogy. And he pulls it off so well. Yeah, I, I thought it was a strange casting initially because, first of all, the actor, Samuel L. Jackson, is fucking iconic in almost every fucking way. He There are a handful of actors. Oh, fuck, this is a fucking... We're going to go on this fucking trail. Prepare yourselves. We'll get back to Star Wars in a second. He is one of a handful of actors that are virtually a caricature of themselves. Like, when you think of a yeah. Samuel L. Jackson... <laughs> we'll get to that, Joe. Patience. Patience, young Padawan. Um, when you think of a of, of a of an actor who plays a character virtually in the same way, no matter what character that is... Samuel L. Jackson's on that list. Dorian, can you think of another actor who's a caricature of themselves? Uh, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Whoa, yeah, that's a good one. I, I, see, I was thinking of Jack Nicholson is a fucking yeah, caricature of himself. Of Michael Caine. Michael Caine is totally, yeah. yeah definitely. Michael yeah. Caine is Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, so, okay, um, so let's get back on track. I just wanted to do that little fun detour. Um... Mace Windu. So, can you explain what what source material did you get your appreciation for Mace Windu from? Because his exper his exposure to us as an audience was really limited in the trilogy. Even though he had a, a decent amount of screen time, it was always sort of brooding and distrustful, and you know. So, so where did you get your appreciation from him? From uh, honestly, the trilogy. Oh, really? He just. I well, burped yeah. again. Like, he's one of the few things I liked about the prequel trilogy, to be yeah. honest. But, oh, really? I mean, of course, like, the books, like, the um, Clone Wars era books, like Shatterpoint. Um, oh, man, what's the other one? What's the last one? I don't remember. Anyways, those books, of course, you know, give me a, a deeper appreciation of the character, but, yeah, like movies it alone it for me. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, did you, Dorian, did you have... Uh, well, first, let me ask your opinion of Mace Windu. Like, what what did you think of him as a character? Uh, you know what? Um, I I could have enjoyed the movies exactly the same without him. I I, I don't think wow. it, me personally. Like, you know, it sounded cool when he was going to be on there, but you know, I don't know. I don't know. Something about him didn't really strike me. Like you said, you know, I mean, I, he was he was Samuel Jackson. Um, I didn't really see him as something necessary other than, you know, he had a little bit of distrust, but, you know, he was pretty much just agreeing with Yoda, you know, I mean, Yoda had that, we didn't need that, you know, so um, if I, maybe if I read some of the books with him, I might get it better. But, you know, the other thing there is too, is when you have seen a movie first, and then you read a book about a character, you see the character as that actor right so it, yeah. it's almost it's almost hard it's it's like damned if you do damn if you don't know either way if you had read the book first then you'd be like oh there's no way samuel jackson could play this he's not right but if you read, see the movie first then you're like no he's the only one that could be it so true it's, it it's interesting because uh samuel L. jackson um 
this character of Mace Windu, I don't think is given enough props for his role in the story moving forward. Yeah. You know, we we look at the turning of Anakin Skywalker from Anakin to Darth Vader, and it started with him fucking setting up the murder of Mace Windu. Turning against, and that action of just cutting his hands off so he didn't kill the Emperor, Mace Windu, so that the Emperor could toss him with Force Lightning out into his ultimate demise. That act was the beginning of his severing of the Jedi Order, which was something that for his entire life he had wanted to be a part of more than anything else. And I don't think the movie paid this off this idea as much as they should have or could have. Mm-hmm. But this was a moment that was so profound as a person. This Mace Windu, for someone like Anakin Skywalker, is a fucking legend. Like, these are the heroes you hear about in tales of old. These are the mm-hmm. King Arthurs, these are the Beowulfs, and he's standing in front of you, a part of a very order of knights that you are about to be appointed a part of. And you've actually been appointed as a fucking chancellor under the the, uh, the Emperor's guidance. Well, like, he wasn't known as the Emperor at the time. But, you know, he was, like, appointed on the fucking, um... God damn it! Fucking... Yeah, what was he, Adam? I hate you right now. I'm going back to the fucking Adam show. Fuck the group shit. <laughs> no, I mean, he was a uh, <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, this was a really important moment for Anakin Skywalker. It was a pivotal moment in his turn. Not only did he have on one side the Emperor feeding him sort of the, the, the Sith lines of uh, attraction, I would say. He was the Emperor, master of lesser magic and greater magic, yeah. ultimately, was really sinking his teeth deep in Anakin Skywalker as a character. But for Anakin to turn against the personification of everything that is strength in the Jedi Order, that's a big fucking deal. I mean, that's huge, and it just didn't pay it off well enough, but Samuel L. Jackson as a character was the one representing that role, and so it was really important to have a, a, an actor who could have the gravity, the, the fucking cojones, the presence on camera. I mean, I cut my teeth with Samuel L. Jackson on Pulp Fiction, and you couldn't get more powerful than that role. I mean, he was a bad motherfucker. So, to have that... What his lightsaber said on it, according yeah. to Jeff. <laughs> By the way, he was also in Coming to America. He was the guy that uh, robbed the McDonald's. I don't want to remember that. <laughs> I enjoyed that film as a kid, but I don't want to tarnish Samuel Jackson in my mind. Yeah, it's been way too down. It's been at least 15, 20 years to see that damn movie. <laughs> um, which wallet is yours? The one that says Bad Motherfucker. <laughs> Such a cool motherfucker. God damn that, man. Okay, so... Okay, very iconic actor playing a very iconic character that was a pivotal role for the fucking drama of the story to continue that just wasn't paid off quite well enough in my opinion um alright Dorian what, what's, what's your next one what do you think well everybody's been talking about Jack and also I mean you guys keep referring to him in this uh in this Mace Windows story who's really he was the pivotal part it, nobody's better I think than the Emperor himself as far as um, sat- satanic principles I mean um, obviously lesser magic I mean the guy is is great at manipulating people uh, he's great at playing you know the just this little old man you know um, also great at feeding uh, 
Anakin, all the things that he needs to hear. Yeah. He uh, talk about perspective. This guy knew he, he had this plan from way far back where it, it started off with him representing Naboo and getting this trade federation. He set up all of this stuff. He, he uh, put everything in place. Let's be uh, fair. Darth Plagueis had a big hand in all of this. Hell yeah, he did. I mean, yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, you can go back and and but uh, but if what I'm saying is, along. yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Darth Plagueis had handed it up until Darth Maul got book, killed. Okay. Like that was a big. I haven't, I haven't read every fucking book. Okay, but not. <laughs> you but, haven't I mean, read as Darth far Plagueis? as iconic characters. Hmm. Iconic characters are gonna be what people know uh, from all the movies and stuff. And I mean, Emperor is gonna top all yeah. of those, you know. And you know, the whole time he's walking side by side with Jedi who. Um, know that there's Sith out there somewhere. They should, you know, any any other time, if Luke Skywalker walked into somewhere, he could feel the the dark side is present. But these guys couldn't notice it when they were walking in little hallways next to him. So I mean, he's he's the ultimate master of of uh, control. Um, he maintains that rule of two that we talked about from the Darth Bane uh, series. Um, you know, he. Yeah, I mean, kind of. Smitly, you know, I mean, like like kind every. Of. Every Star Wars no. character has a flaw somewhere, as far as uh, as far as being satanic, and for him, one of you know the biggest flaw in the end was counterproductive pride. Hmm. You know, he basically uh, he basically did himself in. He was he was too proud proud to recognize that Vader might just flip. You know, so I see, and I I think he saw that as a potential outcome, and that's why he was constantly the Emperor was constantly trying to turn other people. Sure. Um, in, into positions of authority. And, and you know, throughout his entire history as a Sith Lord, I mean, if you read the Plagueis book, which if you haven't read Darth Plagueis, I think anyone watching, not you specifically, but anyone watching, really needs to check out that book because it is... I mean, talk about lesser magic. Darth Plagueis was the fucking master. He taught Sidious everything he knew, the Emperor. He, he literally, the Emperor is a shadow of what Plagueis was for decades. Plagueis set everything into motion. Everything up until when the Emperor fucked it up. Like, literally. So, Plagueis is really, in my opinion, like the, the iconic Sith. The Emperor is the one that deviated from the Sith path of the Rule of Two. He introduced Maul as a warrior under... as When he was the apprentice under Maul. I'm, I'm sorry, under Plagueis. And Plagueis allowed it because he wasn't sure where the Emperor was going. And he promised to use him as just a blade, not actually as an apprentice, even though he really did. But Plagueis went through Maul. He went through fucking... Um, um, Oh, sweet fucking hell. Christopher Lee. God damn it. I can't remember his fucking Sith name. Oh, Tyrannus. Thank you. Yeah, fucking yeah, Tyrannus. Tyrannus. God damn it. Jesus. <laughs> he <was> fucking... <laughs> Tyrannus? I don't think it's that simple, Joe, even though I would like it to be. Um, no, it's not. It's already been discussed that it's not. Yeah, I hate that because I do like the idea of it. Um, oh, me too. But, um... <laughs> Like, he went through, like, three different people, three different apprentices. Everyone before him, they had their single apprentice that ended up killing them, which is the way of the Sith, which is where I deviate from the Sith. I, I choose life <laughs> in every occasion. <laughs> I choose life. But, um, you know, I mean, it's a fucking... 
I don't know. The, the emperor, his again. You said it first. Um, ego was his biggest problem. He, he he couldn't see the forest for the trees, which you know he looked at the master plan set out before him. And this is actually maybe an argument why he wasn't such a good Satanist. Fictional Satanist. Um, <laughs> he, I don't even know why I had to qualify that, but I know that He's someone down the line is gonna be watching this. Yeah, I'm not what I thought I would have said. Fuck off. So, I, I just, he, he literally followed a path that was set out before him by his master, and he tried to live up to his master's strengths and power, and he never quite made it. And so, I really don't think he was as successful as the original trilogy leads us to believe he was. Like, it was already done. Well, successful as in what? As in being emperor of the universe? Being a, did do that. a guiding Sith Lord. Like, he completed what was set out for him, as in being, you know, taking a, a, a Senate and converting it to a dictatorship. Yeah. Congratulations. And that's actually, up until that point, the very, like, beginning of episode four, that's where Plagueis died. That's where this, the Emperor killed him, was the realization of the single dictatorship. Um, Maul's life and death happened under Plagueis' mastership. I mean, really, if you look at the books, which is really kind of a, an interesting way to look, like, re-experience those movies, is that... The Emperor wasn't really in control that whole time. His master was, to, even though he was fighting off death the whole time, his master was still in control, doing things that the Emperor never could figure out that Vader always wanted to. I mean, it's really kind of cool if you're a fucking nerd like me. Um, but, um, and Cameron, because I know he, <laughs> you read the fucking book too. Uh, but so I don't know. I mean, Cameron, what do you think? Does the Emperor live up to that? To being... A like powerful Plagueis? satanic figure no. on in his own right. <clears throat> oh well, yeah. I mean, in, in that sense, um, definitely. I mean, he's he united the galaxy. I mean, re regardless of what anybody says, he did a lot for the galaxy. Yeah, like he 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 rebuilt planets. He built a nice, solid organization that actually worked. A powerful military force. Granted, they. they succumb to their own ego but i mean all in all yeah i i he was really powerful yeah just amazing so when i think of um when i think of satanic characters for me personally and i'm thinking about it right now because it's a hard choice to make we have such a wide array of of really wonderful characters in this in this galaxy far far away You know, one of my favorite, I mean, of course, of course, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's got to be Vader. It's got to be fucking Vader. This is a man who is ruled by his passions. Everything about him screams, satan screams satanic. He, he's literally, his goal in life is to control life and death simply so that he can experience the one that he loves for as long as possible. Like, how much more passion can you get? This is literally the Sith way. This man, this is... The, you, can't, you can't get any more satanic than that. Except Vengeance. That he killed her. Okay, well, you want to spin it like that. I mean, that's like the worst thing you could do. <laughs> First of all, if you've never beaten your wife, there's something wrong with you. All right? You're not really married. I'm there just you saying go. it. <laughs> you haven't been married long. <laughs> they ask for it. 
in about year I mean, one I and a half. I think that was my argument against Vader was, um, uh, well, I, I guess maybe once he actually became Vader in the suit and everything, you know, he's a different person. Yeah. There's There could be arguments, but, um, I mean, everything before that is him just being a whiny bitch, really. I mean, he was good at what oh, he did, but he complained all the oh. time, and he, was, he, he oh, totally failed. Sense. He got manipulated, and then mm. he totally failed and killed his own love. That, that was what everything was for, and he, he ruined it by his own ego. So I, I look at it like this. Um, no, you're wrong. Sadism. <laughs> I'm about to show you my cock again. I sent you a picture earlier and you almost puked. I'm going to do it a fucking again. Um, Sadists are human beings. With that means that we have, um, we have failures in life. We have faults. We are not perfect creatures. And in fact, we are more often than not controlled by our emotions. Yeah. In that lens, I think Darth Vader is the perfect Satanist because he's pure human. Yes, he gets manipulated, but we all do at some point. Yes, he gets controlled by a man who convinces him to do things that are deplorable or because of his ambition, he has to do things that are deplorable. We've all made mistakes. What's important about Darth Vader is not these individual singular moments in his storyline, but it's the overarching character itself. He 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 desires not only the control of, of his own life, but more than anything, and it is so ironic because he has very little at the very end of it, um, he desires control over his own life, but also to have a connection with those that he's chosen to love and care for. He would do anything for that person. Um, his apprentice, Obi-Wan Kenobi, if you're following the Clone Wars uh, movie or cartoons, he has done everything in his life to be the best version of himself for other people that he has chosen, not selflessly, but because he has a connection with them. His mom, for example. Those experiences he's had with those individuals have led him down the path that is ultimately his own demise. But if you look at his character arc, his story arc at the very end, and he chooses his own son over the very power that he's been after the whole time, you can't get more human than that. And that's why I love that character so much. It's not just a bad guy in the shadow killing people. It's a, it's a fully fleshed out character. Right. And I can connect with that as a human being. And so, yes, I see faults in his story with being the perfect Satanist, but I see faults in every Satanist. There's no such sure. thing as a perfect Satanist, um, whether no, it's I'm, Mace I'm Windu or the Emperor Order. In these characters, as what we would strive for, and 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 killing my wife, and and uh, you know having a sad again. You haven't been married long enough. I would want to go after. <laughs> <laughs> I kid. I joke. I kid. Uh, no, you're right, and and that was actually an unfortunate occurrence because that wasn't his main motivation. And in fact, you can argue he didn't kill his wife. Yeah, it was a shitty life. fucking ending of a fucking movie that said, "Oh, there's nothing wrong with her. She chose heart. to die." <laughs> Fuck you, robot! Like which, really? Which, which I guess means that George Lucas killed her, really. Yeah, I, I don't want to put that on fucking Anakin because yeah. it was a broken heart. And I know that there are actual cases where, you know, you can die of just being depressed because you have no connection with other people. Like, it's a reality that can actually happen. But I want my stories to have a little more impact than, <laughs> than yeah. that. Yeah. I don't know. 
Maybe it's just me. But yeah, I don't, I don't actually see him as being the one that killed Padme. And again, Padme, of all fucking names, I really don't like that shit. That really bothers <laughs> me, Padme. That's like a shitty nickname you give someone that you don't really like. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Padme. Keep up, Padme. Yeah, yeah. What's wrong? You can't fucking keep up with the rest of us? Fucking Padme. <laughs> yeah, fuck that shit. Um, so, her dad... Oh, god damn it. Her, I think we talked about this before, too. It's been so long since we've spoken last. That was the worst death of everyone in the entire saga, right? It was so rushed. Worse than Jango Fett. Ridiculous. It, it ended up in, uh, resulting in one of the worst lines... Which is no. Oh, <laughs> the moment when every Star Wars fan died all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh man. Oh god. Yeah, he is more machine now. I really do like the way that he, I was responding to the chat room really quick. I like the way that they um, connected Obama. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 You put a fucking mace window in the White House and looks what fucking happens. God damn it. Where's my fucking purple lightsaber? That's all I'm saying. It's, it's a grape. Obama. It's a grape lightsaber. <laughs> oh, god damn it. It's fucking grape Kool-Aid. Ah, I didn't look at it as so racist until you said that fucking look. God damn it. All right. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, uh, hey, do you guys want to take a brief intermission before we continue? It's up to you, man. Because this is empty, is I'm why I'm asking. Oh, okay. See, that's why you get one of these. This holds an entire bottle. Damn, and that's, dude. That bottle's almost gone. Well, do you guys, I mean, this is live, so I don't really care. Do you guys want to sit in and just riff while I go, or do you want to take a break? What do you want to do? Do, do what you got to do, man. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll take over. We'll take it over. All right, take over. Watch me walk out. And as I'm walking out, enjoy the firm ripe apple of a behind that you watch. Wow. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. All right, Dorian, since so, you're next to him, you got to use your finger to try to touch his ass. Oh, oh I'm lost it. Ah, too late. Let's talk about uh, how many times Adam is wrong. I mean, it's something that people don't usually discuss in these shows, but... That is true. That is true. He is kind of fascist about that. What was your favorite part of the uh, of the uh, the new trailer? Oh my god, dude! Seeing those ad ads, like just the scope of it, it's so massive. Like uh, the Force Awakens was, of course, just amazing. Like it was everything that I wanted it to be, and then some. But it just it feels so fucking big. Yeah, you're talking. You're supposed to be talking. I mean, seeing a they're taking the show over. <laughs> we are talking. Peeked into We're everything. Talking. You, you can't even hear from me, right? Well, maybe I hear it's you, because yeah. I didn't have my oh, fuck? earbuds anyway. in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like just uh, being able to see that battle on the fucking beach for Christ's sake. Like that is just yeah. amazing. Like I, I can't wait. I'm so goddamn yeah. excited. Oh, you're talking about Rogue One? Yeah, yeah, we're talking about the yeah. trail a little more. Hell yeah. All right, so uh, let, let's dive into a secondary character here. Um, Cameron, what's another character you think has uh, satanic attributes? Hmm. Hmm. How long have we been talking? Has it been an hour already? Yeah. Holy yeah. shit, we've been doing an hour. Should we stop or should we keep going? <laughs> We're going to need more shows. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, uh, this is episode four. 
I don't know. Hey, audience, uh, as soon as you hear this, do you want us to keep going or do you want us to stop? Let me know. We'll keep drinking as you're thinking. This is not fair. I'm at work right now. I'm drinking water. Pussy. Uh-huh. You work at a tattoo shop, right? You should be hey, having like yeah, liquor on Yeah, a professional shop. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, you want to be professional and safe and healthy, whatever. Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> eh, nobody's in the chat. I know I'm saying shit, so I'm just going to keep going. Let's do one more round. We'll do one more round. Um, Cameron, what's another character? Okay, another uh, character. Andrew says another keep going. Another character, another character. Sorry, kind of looking at the wall, trying to get an idea. Because you have all the figures <laughs> plastered? God, God, we have What's that? You have all the figures on your wall? Is that it? Yeah, it's my wall of reference. <laughs> Prince Zizor. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know one. what that fucking means. Can you... Is <laughs> again? Red Shadows of the Empire? Oh, Prince, Prince Zizor? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah! Holy shit! That was yeah, a long time yeah. ago. Okay. It's a good one. Okay, let's... It's Refresh our memories. Okay. Who's like a so he's a crime lord, crime lord yeah. uh, for the Black Sun, and he, he most notably comes out in Shadow of the Empire, which is a book that takes place right in between um, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And this dude is just fucking... He's a genius. He's very charismatic. He has an artificial human companion... Uh, <laughs> that's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's it. Good one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he just he has so much power, demands so much power, but he he gets more than he demands. If that makes any sense. So, yeah. Have fun. Well, he's a crime lord. I mean, just <laughs> by nature, he has to be mm -hmm. in control of whatever audience he's in front of. Oh, well. Absolutely. He even has, has the pheromones that uh, will attract women, make basically oh, make yeah, women intoxicated. That. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. Who wouldn't want that? <laughs> but I, I mean, that work on Carrie Fisher though. So <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, nothing she... works on her. Like yeah. what the hell? There's something well, she, wrong with she, that girl. She does have force. You have her, to so. carry. You have to carry around coke with you at all times. Last time she came to Comic-Con here, some kid, she was, like, on stage, like, oh, I need a Coke. And some dude walks up, hands her one, and she straight Oh, you meant Coca-Cola. Like, yeah, Coca-Cola, sorry. Sorry. I'd... Yeah, so, yeah. I thought you meant that, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It was, it was, it was Coca-Cola. It's in Utah. For oh, man. <laughs> I'm mad. just saying she's well-known for something. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking drug addict. I mean, and an alcoholic. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, I let let me ask you this. As as we're moving forward here, um, what are some of the best traits that you latch onto that help you define what a good Satanist is? So, you know, we're, we're talking about these characters in a fictional universe, Star Wars, that we just happen to all connect with. But in order to even have this discussion, we have to say, well, this character represents X, Y, and Z, and that's why I think they are a particular satanic character. So, so what are these traits of a Satanist that, that you look on as admirable or defining, even? Um, Dorian, let's start with you. Um, well knowledgeable is definitely going to be one because uh, you know we not just a hat study. Rack. so say it again 
Not just a hat rack. Oh, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, somebody who who shows themselves as uh, a person who who studies and who uh, knows of what they speak, you know, and not just bumbling around for an answer. Um, also, you know, or in whatever they do, they're successful, you know, because they have, um, you know, put that that much effort into it, and they've taken their time to understand it. And you know, as we kind of talked about in our uh, our last. Uh, devil you know uh show mm-hmm. that you were on um mastery talked about yeah um mastery um so i mean you know obviously when it comes to iconic characters in star wars you know that's that's kind of some of the first people i'm going to be looking towards nice uh cameron what do you think are some of the most uh defining traits of a satanist well i mean the first thing one always has to go to is aesthetics like it's always the people that you just kind of nice. look at, like, yeah, there, there's something about that fucking person. Yeah. Like I mean, a Vader. It's that's just a given. I mean, the, the first time you see him, your do- your jaw just hits the floor because he's just yeah. What is that? He's like power. He's like that guy. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's that. There's um, you know, charisma. Like being able to take control of situations through just being them, nonchalantly yeah. like Sense oh, presence, yeah. yeah. See, that's interesting because it is. I think uh, a sense of personal aesthetics is um, when you hear other Satanists speaking to Satanism. Aesthetics doesn't come up as often as some others, um, but. It wouldn't be Satanism without the sense of aesthetics. I mean, you know, it's sure. often been described as sort of the Adams family of religions. Um, it's all about carnal desire and the individual representation of that, however you see that. Um, it's, it's all about style, individual sense of style. If you think of the Church of Satan, you do not think of a business. You do not think, maybe even of a religion, you think fucking style. Like the Church of Satan has iconic style that has been represented in different ages. I mean, it, it's all about style. And you think of those iconic Satanists, maybe when you were first discovering Satanism, they had fucking style. It wasn't yeah. just a fucking regular dude walking around. <laughs> this is why nice doesn't just come back. I agree, Andrew. I don't. I'm, I'm struggling with thought. I'm struggling with it. But um, I look like a normal fucking dude, right? Just like a normal. At, at least I think I do. I don't know if I really do or not. But I there are there are elements of of the way I represent myself when I want to be professionally represented that are very much steeped in that idea of aesthetics. Um, Dorian, I mean, fuck, the first time I met you, you were all decked out like a fucking dapper gent, and it struck me so much that I had to mention it. I mean, it, but at that dinner when you and I first met, not everyone was, and you were you were different than everyone else and so I had to call your attention to it in a weird way in my own weird way that I do but I definitely had to call it because it was important that you recognize something you need to speak to that and when it's working you have to say it's fucking working um Cameron you've got a fucking sense of style I mean goddamn the first time I met you 
you know, I invited you over to my house for to try some of my homebrew. Um, you and your lovely wife came over. It was a weird, awkward experience, that door opening, like, who are these people? Yeah. Who are these people? What are they going to do? What are they going to do? I mean, it was a weird thing, but you can't argue that you don't have a sense of fucking style about you. Um, oh, I could definitely clean up one, too. <laughs> yeah. Wipe the cum off your if face. If I didn't work, it, it, yeah, yeah, you know, a little bit off there. But let's put it this way: if I didn't think I would spill ink all over me at work, I'd wear nothing but a suit and tie. But that's cool. Oh yeah, I would spill ink. All Sweating over. right about Just, this time of year. Oh. Usually that's what happens to me. The, the day I decide to wear a nice shirt to to work, mm. I. I shake up a bottle and that I didn't close the lid totally on. And... Oh, yeah. Yeah. For me, it's always the white. So it's very, very, very Thick. obvious. Yep. Yeah. You talking about white people? What? <laughs> white people? Yeah. I, I, always, I, I shake them up and then they get all over me. <laughs> white people. I hate white people so much. God damn them. Bad. <laughs> They're the worst. Yeah, so when I think of... Um, of uh, satanic attributes, like admirable satanic attributes. I sort of slurred that out. I don't know if you picked that up. Um, that I look forward to uh, in iconic characters in the Star Wars universe, specifically for our discussion. Uh, it's got to be a command, like a presence. You, one, you have to be able to walk into a room and people turn. They might yeah. not focus on you entirely, but they're going to notice you. Like, that's really important. You have to be able to make a fucking statement when you enter a room. Um, so presence is big. Uh, going to what you had mentioned, Dorian, uh, you got to know what you're, you got to be able to bring the goods. You have to know what you're fucking talking about. It is so easy to fucking point, pinpoint someone who has no idea or no command or no control over their own lives. We all know them. We're all around them at all times, and if you don't have that one attribute, I cannot really respect you as a human being, certainly not as a Satanist, uh, more importantly, not as a character that I'm going to admire in a universe that I fucking love. <laughs> <laughs> all right? I'm looking at you, Wedge Antilles. I don't really respect you, all right? That's what I'm fucking saying. <laughs> I guess the you need to read. <laughs> Well, he's actually well, coming back in the Clone Wars right too, or in going, Rebels as well. So. I'm going through the X-wing series right now, so oh really? <laughs> Wedge is a big deal to me right now. All right, I didn't mean this to pull you, you know, Peter we could out. Do a, uh, a satanic Star Wars book show? Yeah, <laughs> book discussion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and you know, for the audience watching or, or to watch in the future, um, the three of us have discussed the idea of doing a spinoff series of vidcasts or podcasts where we just sort of talk about movies, comics, Star Wars, pop culture, whatever it is. Um, we've, we've discussed it. I don't know where we are right now, but if you like what you're seeing right now, maybe maybe keep your ear to the ground, right? Keep your ear to the tracks. Um, yeah. Presence, commanding of one's life, being able to actually say... Well, this is where I want to be right now, and that's where I want to be in the future. Uh, this is driving a wedge. Yeah, but um, <laughs> George, fucking, <laughs> I don't have drums. I do a rim shot. Um, uh, I think, I 
think peer recognition, I think, is a big thing. Not so much for a Satanist as an individual, but you know, going back to what we were speaking to on your other podcast, The Devil You Know, Dorian, um, being being able to say that you're a master as an individual is important, but for others to recognize that in you as well, that's another thing entirely. And so right. I don't necessarily think you need it, but it's something that I definitely look forward to. And it's certainly as a Satanist, as a member, as an active member of the Church of Satan, which is itself a mutual admiration society, you would not be an active member if you were not recognized in some way as being a, a positive um, avatar of Satanism, a role model in Satanism, in command of one's life, having a, a, a solid foundation and understanding of, of the philosophy. These are things that are really important as a Satanist to be able to have. And certainly if you're going to be able to extrapolate that into a, a, a character, they have to be able to have that too. Um, right. Tarkin, uh, massive command of authority. Um, uh, of course, Emperor Palpatine, um, Anakin Skywalker. Kenobi. Oh, God damn it. See, and we didn't even touch on the light fucking side of characters. Yeah. Yoda! Well, Mace, sort of. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry, you're right. Yeah. yeah He's Obi sort of a fence straddler. Manipulator. Yeah. yeah, Yoda's Yoda's a bad motherfucker. Um, Alright, I, I don't really know where else we're going to go with this conversation, but... Um, are there any other characters you guys want to just sort of riff on or you know talk about at all? <clears throat> we spent half of our show talking about pre-show stuff, so... Yeah, I, um, I think that there's characters that, I mean, you can look at l small aspects at least. Maybe they're not all-encompassing as far as, you know, satanic attributes, but, I mean, Han Solo has... Some as far as I mean, you know, he he Han doesn't Solo! He, he he doesn't he doesn't go in you know, the spiritual nonsense. He trusts his gun, his ship, and his his Wookiee friend. You know, he trusts what he can see and what he can touch, and he's uh, working to better himself. And uh, you know, I I think when it comes to certain things, even like. Um, in the end of episode four, when he comes and and helps out, I don't I don't think he's even doing that for the rebellion. I think he's doing <laughs> it for Luke and, and Leia. That's it, you know. Yeah. So, I don't know. Well, but, do you I mean, think I, you really think he's doing it for for Luke and Leia? I think that's what's important to him. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I don't think not not saying that he not that he wouldn't side with them, but I think that that's what's really he would have left if it wasn't for them. Yeah. Uh, I think he would have just kept going. So. It, it's interesting. Uh, he has a really great story arc. You know, we start meeting him in the most wretched hive of scum and villainy. And he is literally concerned about no one but himself. He needs to pay that fucking debt off or fucking job is going to kick his ass. Um, he meets fucking <laughs> Greedo. Han shot first, bitches. That's right. Killed that motherfucker in cold blood. Shot. Yeah, he shot only. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's a good point. And I think we've talked about this before. Um, <clears throat> Han shot first and only. Greedo didn't have a fucking chance. And and he ends in a place where he would literally do anything for Leia, the woman he loves, and Luke, his best of friends in the galaxy at this point. He, before he even realizes son, they're brother and sister, he's willing to give up the love of his life for fucking... 
Leia and Luke to find happiness up until the point that he realizes the brother and sister because Leia let him know like that's a big deal like for someone who's madly in love with you to say I want nothing but to be with you what you'll tell Luke but you won't tell me no I get it if you two want to be happy I'll go about my business no 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 it's not like that he's my brother takes him like three counts Incest. and then he gets it so now he understands like oh no she does love me she does want to be with me but he was willing to give that up because he loves these two people so much that's a huge deviation from where he started as a character like yeah. huge I don't think we really pay again you know as far as not paying attention to character arcs um, the most romantic scene in that entire series for me is when he is about to be frozen in carbonite and Leia looks over at him and says I love you and he says so fucking cool I know god damn it so romantic, <laughs> most romantic thing in cinema history period it's so good it's just so good and then it fucking gets reciprocated too I love that so much yeah um alright so this was <laughs> this was Satanism in Star Wars live live in your face um on the inner tubes the tubes of inner <laughs> I don't know what that means um thanks so much for tuning in it's, it's been a long time since I've done any nonsense episode and so this is you know it's a little bit of fun a little bit of weirdness it's going to live on for the literally twos of people that have tuned in and enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, for those of you who have tuned in on chat room, I really do appreciate it. I know uh, Dorian and Cameron have enjoyed it as well. Um, it's nice to know that there are others who share this nerd <laughs> this nerd uh, passion uh, as we do. And uh, Dorian and Cameron, I love you too. Thank you so much for joining me on this really exciting episode. Uh, anytime. Uh, I couldn't think of anything else I'd rather be doing right now. We have one more. One more before the very fucking end. I've already cut ties with the fucking contributors, the regular contributors of Nine Cents. I'm not quite ready to let <laughs> the fucking Star Wars shows go yet. So we're going to have one more live episode after Rogue One. I'm going to re literally, I'm going to record myself after I'm walking out of the theater having watched it. And if you two want to do the same of initial Which thoughts, shows? I will air every. Oh, you want to see it together? Well, we can't with yeah. fucking Dorian. He's living in Might fucking kind of tricky, Florida. But I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Florida. Florida. Yeah, whatever, that guy. <laughs> Ooh, I live on the other side of the country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Okay, so Cameron and I will go jerk each other off in the theater. And Dorian, who's jerking yeah, off myself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, as if you don't want this. Look how supple this hand is. Look at that palm. Nothing but soft, silky goodness. You people at home can see the pictures that Adam texts to me. It's uh, true. It's true. It's true. You know you want it. <laughs> it's gross and it's so true. Um, uh, you're very welcome to everyone uh, letting us know. Uh... We will be doing this one more time, and then that is literally the end. And then we're going to see what happens with uh, the three of us here as your uh, hosts of this uh, episode specifically. Um, and so until next time, uh, thanks for tuning in to another Nine Cents. Uh, my name is Adam Campbell. Uh, thank you for joining me, gentlemen.